What's up, y'all, and welcome to Tales from the Band Room podcast. I'm Dr. Jack Eady, a 19-year educator, and I've built strong programs in urban schools. I'm so proud of what we're able to accomplish in spite of the obstacles many of my students faced, and I want to share my story to help others face in similar situations. So I created this podcast to share tools and strategies I've learned during my career. Each week, the episodes will be real, raw, with a touch of crazy, but it's what I use to motivate and get the best out of my students. Thanks for listening. Now let's go. Welcome to episode eight, Reach One, Teach One. I'm so excited for this episode today. It's going to be so great. Thank you guys so much for listening and just being a part of the Tales from the Band Room podcast. And I I truly appreciate all that you guys are doing for this community. Today um, is all about reaching out reaching out to students in your program, and direct your mentorship. And I'm excited because we're going to look at this from the lens of a first-year director, a six-year director, and a 12th-year director. And I'm super happy that we have with us Tyler Atkins from Pershing Middle School out of Houston, Texas, Chris Steele out of Kettering Middle School, and an assistant director at Howard University in Washington, D.C., and Jose Fernandez out of Innovation Middle School in Orlando, Florida. And I want to first give a shout out to the recently wedded Jose Fernandez. Congratulations. But welcome, guys. Thank you guys so, so, so much for joining. Thanks so much for having us, Jack. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for having us, Jack. Good to be here. This episode, Reach One, Teach One, is one that is, is very, very important to me because, one, I believe it's important that you – you build relationships with students, and no matter what student comes in your door, you find what you can to connect with that, that student to make them the best version of themselves. And also, I believe it's my job as a seasoned educator to go out to the younger, younger generations and give them tools and tips and tricks uh, that can help them so they don't you know, fall by the wayside of some of the things that, that I've done. So before we get started, can you guys just tell us about who you are, where you're from, all that jazz? We'll start with you, Tyler. Cool. Uh, well, hello. My name is Tyler Atkins. I am a first-year director, um, and I teach at Pershing Middle School in Houston, Texas. Um, I grew up in Houston um, and graduated in uh, 2011 or 2015, and then uh, went on to uh, North Texas University of North Texas and got a, a five-year degree in music education. Um, so this is my first year. Uh, I graduated back in May. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Go Eagles. My name is Jose Fernandez. I'm the director of band and orchestras at Innovation Middle School. Graduated from Florida State University. Um, been teaching 12 years. Taught at the middle school and high school level. Um, I've taught some youth orchestras in the Orlando area. And um, I currently uh, still play my instrument uh, in a local uh, community group here in Orlando, Florida. What's that community group? Central Florida uh, Community Arts. All right. I'm Christopher Steele. I am a middle school general music and chorus director at uh, Kelly Middle School in Prince George's County Public Schools. That's in uh, my school's upper, it's in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. 
I also serve as the um, low brass coordinator at Howard University, where I facilitate all the necessary things to get our low brass to sound phenomenal. And I also am the arranger and do a lot of responsibilities in like an assistant director capacity. Oh snap! I didn't know. I didn't realize you were were an arranger, Chris. Mm-hmm. I need to uh, do better. That's awesome. So it's cool to hear about you guys in your lives. Can you tell us a little bit more about your programs? So we are in the Lake Nona area. This is a brand new school. We are in our fourth year. Uh, I started the program at uh, Innovation. So I teach both band and orchestra. The orchestra program is coming from um, students that uh, start at the elementary level. And so they're coming in with a little bit of experience. Band students start at sixth grade. We currently have a beginning band, a jazz band, and a symphonic band. The program, while it's still young, we've been successful at our assessment, solo and ensemble. And we are out in the community performing for the elementary schools, events around the, uh, the community, and different festivals that are hosted here in Orlando. My program is in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. We serve, our school is about close to 900 students. I teach mostly general music. I have six sessions of general music, but there are two music teachers at the school. Um, So I handle mostly general music and two choirs, um, a beginning choir and an intermediate choir. But I mix both of them because both levels really match up to be the same once you start to really teach fundamentals. And then the other director, she's responsible for a band, orchestra, and a couple sections of general music. So we kind of divvy out, but because I'm like still a very much an instrumental person, I'm over there sometimes after school helping out with the orchestra, helping out with the band, because it's just something to do, something I love to do, and she, and she allows me to be in it. So I'm fortunate to have that. Smart lady. <laughs> Um, so my program is in the, um, the inside of the loop of Houston. It is a title one and magnet middle school. Um, so there are different, uh, we call them fine art areas uh, to where students can choose, um, between like dance, uh, music, band, um, chorus, guitar, uh, piano, if they want to do that. Um, and all different types of uh, things that they can do. Um, and I teach the band portion of, of those fine arts. It is the largest middle school in HISD. Uh, we serve, I think, up to 1,700 plus kids. <laughs> and my band size program is about 150 between uh, Win Ensemble, which is the varsity level, symphonic band, um, the jazz band, and then my beginner band, which is split up into two classes, which is really cool. And yeah, it's a, it's a really good program. Um, I almost went to this middle school, but I went to the rival middle school instead just because of the waiting list. So I think it was like 106th on my school's waiting list and then number seven on the other one. So I just kind of went to that one. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really excited to be here though. Awesome. Well, Tyler, you're, you're our baby of the bunch and <laughs> you, you're rocking in the first year doing this weird COVID year. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in episode seven, our previous episode, uh, Dr. Meyer Roden spent a lot of time talking to us about uh, things we can do and help helpful hints in, 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 in these COVID times. What has been your favorite part of this year? Mm. <laughs> um, 
I'm very, let's just say goofy for lack of a better word. It's not like I like to have fun and I like to, you know, show that I'm having fun. Um, so in the beginning of the school year, um, what I did was I made them sing, like just like baby songs, you know, just so they can kind of just get out of their shells a little bit. And as much as they hated me for it, I really thought that they were having fun in that process because they were getting to just kind of be silly and kind of just be vulnerable with me. Um, so that that has kind of been my favorite part, um, just kind of getting to know them and kind of getting to, you know, get bring them out of their shells because we were virtual for the first six weeks and I didn't get to see them. And some of them, you know, didn't turn their cameras on. And, you know, it was just... It was kind of boring, you know, for the first six weeks. So yeah. the first day back, you know, I was just like, hey, we're going to sing. And, you know, because we can't play our instruments right now. Some of you don't even have instruments. So we're going to sing. And this is going to be my way of walking you into, into my circle. And so that was kind of my favorite part, honestly. And I will say some of the funniest and cutest moments are seen on Tyler's Snapchat of his band uh, <laughs> during rehearsal. So that's cool. So we got that from, you know, from, from our year one, year one professional. What about you guys? What, if, if you could go back to year one, what's one thing you wish you could redo? Actually taking a band program and not doing general music. It was something that I didn't have knowledge in. I was a music therapy major in undergrad, so my music education knowledge really didn't really come together till grad school. So I kind of had to learn a lot of information to figure out what was going on. So, you know, kind of talking about mentorship, I had to find people that were doing this much better than me, and I had to reach out and ask questions. I got curriculum documents that they already have that you could just easily use. But there, I still felt a void. There was a void of not being able to, like, teach a beginner clarinet how to play open G with the right hand down. Like, it just didn't, something about it didn't help me. But fortunate, I was able to, after school, go to Howard, work with the program, and I still got my niche there. So I was able to develop that way. Awesome. I think for me, if I could redo something from my first year is is probably be more more open more me with my students uh, when I first started my first job was at Westridge Middle School in Orlando title one school very rough program and um, I, I felt like I had to put up a wall to kind of protect my myself my my feelings and my insecurities as just as a director. And I think with those walls being put up, uh, it kind of made a little bit tougher time to make uh, relationships with, with students. Well, so I think we all go through something like that. And I know Tyler might be learning how to go through this. How did, how did you break that barrier? Well, as I started becoming a little bit more comfortable with what I was saying, in, in class with the teaching portion of, of the day, then I could feel confident that the students were learning something. And then I just started to make, make jokes. I started to see them as, as a person instead of like something of, of a challenge that I had to get through. The more I joked around, the more I related to them, the more I took interest in the things that they were interested in that I think that kind of brought those walls back down. 
I think in my experience from journey, um, one thing that I, probably my favorite instructional coach taught me was the ability to make mistakes in front of the students. Yes. Acknowledge it and just apologize that you made a mistake. It's okay to make a mistake, but try your best not to make them again because now it becomes a mental note. And so like, I have a book here of all of our notes from our sessions. This is like three years ago. And I still go back to it because at the time I wasn't ready to receive the information. I was like, nah, I got it. I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm like, I needed that. I needed that expertise to tell me, hey, it's, it's okay. Uh, we were doing a, it's called Teach Now. It's like a technique for uh, high discourse where you say, like, ready, okay, and the students have to respond back to you. I was so uncomfortable like my instructional coach was sitting right beside me as I'm teaching the lesson, and the kids are just laughing because <laughs> they know it's uncomfortable. Because why? Because I told them the truth. I said, "It's my first time doing this. I'm uncomfortable. Bear with me." And but it was great. I didn't really use it that much because it was like middle school, and it just turned out to be really corny after a while. But just the ability to—it's okay to take some risk in education. The, the funny thing is, kids always know. Like, they know if you don't know. They know if you're uncomfortable. So it, it just makes sense for you to be yourself because that's who they're going to grow to love, and, it, and that's just who you are. Yeah. Um, so um, something that I realized is um, I'm, I'm a very – well, I'm, I am the youngest teacher, actually, um, in my school. And I think the biggest age gap – there's a bigger age gap between me and one of my coworkers versus me and my students. Um, and so I can kind of, you know, kind of relate to them a little bit easier, I think, or I think I found a way to do that just because, you know, I have siblings that, you know, that I, you know, interact with and I have nieces and nephews that are, you know, that age. So I can just kind of relate to them a little bit easier. Cause I don't know, when you think about it, like I'm on the younger side or the, yeah, the younger side of millennials, but the older side of Gen Z, I'm like right in that little pocket. <laughs> um, so I can kind of, you know, reach to them uh, a little bit, you know, just understand their references and, you know, make it, maybe make a reference in class. Um, you know, they'll laugh about that for the next few minutes, but we continue on with the lesson. Um, so, it's, you know, finding those little m- moments to connect with them. You know, just, I guess, like, humorously, intellectually, um, that has really helped me thus far, uh, especially with some of my kids that are at home um, that I, you know, still haven't met in person yet. I can still connect with them, you know, that kind of way um, so they can, you know, feel that they're learning from me. Yeah, and and all all that is is super awesome. I know from my first days, and I, I taught at the the middle school that Jose is talking about. Like his first middle school was also my first middle school uh, there, and I, I think the the biggest thing that we um, as teachers we 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 have a problem with is being ourselves, and like Jose says, being vulnerable. Um, in in front of your students and the quicker that we can do that the quicker uh, we can relate to our students the the better it is this section is called beyond the practice room and it's something non-music related that i wanted to share and today we're going to talk about all-star weekend it was truly the chef curry show 
and in Steph fashion, he won the three-point contest on a crazy final frame with an even crazier last shot. The net didn't even move, people. The dunk contest was, womp womp, make creativity great again. But the All-Star game was one for any fan of offense. Giannis couldn't, I mean, he didn't miss, and he took home MVP honors. But the real story was Dame Dollar and Chef Curry. They truly stole the show. Threes from all over the court, including half-court shots with ease. Congrats, Team LeBron. (coughs) Yeah, that was tough to say. Yeah, I let that come out of my mouth. But Durant needs to take a how to be a general manager course from the king. With with within these relationship confines of your students, like why is building relationships with your students important to you? For me, it's how I am able to be successful on a day-to-day basis. Like if, if I don't if I don't feel a connection with what uh, with the students in my class, then then I know we're not going to achieve the things that we need to achieve. And so, if we first tackle that, like can we relate as as people as as musicians? Like even they they might be in their first month of of playing, but they're still now young musicians. They've decided to embark on that path, and so. We're now connected because of that. We have that thing in common. And so I take that and, and, I, and I run with it. And it's just, it makes life so much easier. So I take that uh, as a priority each day. There was a band director that I've heard this from multiple times and it said, teach people not music. And I think from the director's standpoint, I think we have to know who we are to be able to get buy-in from the students. Um, Like we just discussed, they know if you are being a hypocrite. They know if you're not being your authentic self. And so I think in terms of maturation and growth, we have to ask ourselves also those tough questions so that we understand why we're doing what we're doing, what ticks us off, and so many, you know, just so many other things, whether it's culturally, civically, professionally, we need, the, we need to answer and have those questions because the more we know ourselves, the more confident we can be in front of anybody or students especially. And they see that presence like, oh, yeah, he's, he's really good. I can really, you know. And then on top of that, if you just ask the students questions, they're going to say, I know what's the last Netflix show that you watched? And then it begins, it starts the tangent of conversation. So now I have to go because I know they watch Netflix. I need to go watch these shows. Yep. <laughs> so that I can create analogies through playing in music to build a connection. And if they find out that you're watching this, they're like, oh my gosh. Now, if there's a flute player, I'm like, hey, what what character do you think we could use as like an image for this? You know, let's say we're watching this show and the flute player is playing. What can we do? So it's just building something, a building block of we like Netflix. We both watch this TV show. And now let's apply the character of this person into the character of what we have to do as a uh, ensemble. For me, 
Uh, I, I just think back to the time that, you know, when I was in middle school and I dealt with some unsavory teachers. <laughs> um, let's just call them unsavory for now. Um, and, you know, just kind of thinking about, well, you know, what about them didn't I like? Like, why did I feel like they didn't like me? Or why didn't I feel like that I didn't like them? And I just kind of twisted it. You know, I don't want to be like the teacher that doesn't like me. I don't want to be like the teacher that didn't believe that I could succeed in their class. Because um, I definitely had some of those teachers. And I'm pretty sure we probably had some of those teachers that didn't think that we would succeed in their class for whatever reason and didn't try to, to reach us. So I didn't, um, I kind of go, you know, with that and and say that I, I care for every student uh, as much as possible. And, you know, just kind of be there not only, you know, physically, but also, you know, emotionally, educationally as well. Like, you know, how far do you want them to succeed in your classroom? And, you know, hope that maybe they take something outside of your classroom. You know, I'm, I'm still struggling with that process. Obviously, as a first-year teacher, I haven't mastered that. But I think having, you know, asking myself those questions, how can I um, be there for my student, not only physically, how much of that will uh, leave an impact on them. Um, and I think that's really important. Hopefully we're all back in person um, in the fall and I can do it a little bit easier <laughs> than uh, virtually. But again, I think it's just a learning process that I just have to get used to. Tyler, when, when you said something about remembering back to middle school, for like I had to like do the math. I'm like, that was like 30 years ago. And that's <laughs> uh, very sad. Uh, <laughs> But seriously, I believe that you can't teach the kids until you reach the kids. And a big part of us reaching the kids is getting them to buy in. What are some ways you have gotten your kids to buy into uh, into your program? And before you answer that, I really want to say a lot of times the kids in our programs are buying into the us, the teacher, and not the program. And a lot of times you're coming to the program like, into the, oh, this is the band. And then they're like, oh, it's really about the teacher. And then hopefully the teacher can get, get them to buy in and like, oh, it's this music thing that's awesome and it's great and you should love all about it. So what are some things you, you've done to get your kids to buy in? So I'm thinking back to, or again, actually back to, to middle school <laughs> uh, and what, you know, because I, I was a band nerd. I just always have been a band nerd. Um, and I just... I was in it from day one. Um, and so thinking back uh, in middle school, I what I did was I listened to a lot of just band works, a lot of great um, master works. Um, so I was listening to um, like Symphony Number no. 4 already um, by Maslanka, and I was listening to Robert W. Smith and, um, you know, just like a lot of uh, great composers. Um, and so that was kind of my buy-in and I was already, you know, just kind of destined to just kind of do that. Um, so what I did was at the beginning of the year, and I still do this now, is that I show music, music that I've played at UNT um, or with the Lone Star uh, Wind Orchestra or um, even in high school when I play Symphony B flat, um, just showing them bits and pieces of great band works that maybe um, they wouldn't understand you know, right away, but they can still listen to it and go, wow, that's how a great band could sound. That's how great musicians sound. Um, so that's kind of been my buy-in uh, for the most part. And uh, it's given me time to kind of reflect on those, um, you know, great pieces of music that I listen to and just 
thinking about, you know, what is next, I guess, for me and um, listening to other band works and um, exposing my students also to these um, modern band pieces. Because, you know, there's still pieces, pieces that are being written every day, you know, just ex- having them explore that realm of music that they're probably not used to listening to. That's just kind of been my buy-in. And that's, that's been a way I've been approaching that. Love it. And in terms of buy-in, that's something I'm still working on. I haven't had to do a lot of recruiting. Most of the students don't really leave choir. I had I had, did have to do a like I guess an interest form last year because when I got there there was no choir at all. So I'm now after a year I have two choir classes. So that's that's part of it. Um, that school does have a history of having programs, but. For me, what I've learned is that I need to be more of a businessman and an administrator as a director, whether it's band, orchestra, choir. So I read sales books, business strategy, emotional intelligence books. So you learn what how people think. Because when you learn, people can almost get them to do whatever you want them to do. You know, you learn the people, you learn the different personality traits to be able to get buy-in. Some people might respond differently to certain activities. So you have to not just have one activity, you have to have multiple activities to allow the students to see what might fit them based on either their learning style, their personality, or just something that they just may like. So something I'm still working on. You know, for me, it's changed in the three schools that I've taught at. I kind of followed Jack's path in in terms of schools. I started at Westridge and then um, was lucky enough to to teach at Oak Ridge after uh, he went on and did big things. Um, And then uh, now I'm at Innovation. When I first started at Westridge, it was taking over uh, a program that uh, had not been, that, that did not exist. For, for quite some time. Getting in there was just trying to show the kids that that I was there to stay, that I cared about them and that I cared about their success. And then once I got that, just pushing them to to really want to be better, then it became me being a little bit silly and doing fun things. Uh, when we first went to our very first MPA, uh, we went for comments only and we had playing for about, I want to say, just a couple of months because we had no instruments and we had just gotten our equipment back. So we were the first band on stage on a Saturday morning. No one was in the audience except the judges and our music supervisor. Uh, We then went to sight reading and played our second piece. And uh, there was, by the end of the piece, there was one person playing and the trombone player was playing in the wrong spot. And so we got to the wow. last measure. I, I get to the last measure and uh, I kind of cut them off and look at them, smile. And, and then we went to McDonald's and I bought all the cheeseburgers and, you know, chicken patties, whatever. And then we just ate it back at the school. And we just hung out. And it, that was, I think after that year, um, kids kind of really, we're, we're into it. They were like, okay, well, this is fun. This is not scary. My, my, my band director has my back no matter what. And then now here I'm at, uh, at Innovation, 
Uh, it's a different community. It's um, I have a little bit more experience now, so I, I sometimes I say the right thing. It's different. Now I get to teach more, just more music, and which is great. But um, I feel that uh, with this, with these students, the the challenge is to just stay ahead, to like just keep pushing them. They pick things up so quickly. So now I have to really engage them in some really like high level stuff. Like I'll I'll play them music that's really out there and they'll sit there and they'll ponder about it. And I'm like, why are you guys such nerds? And then I look back at myself and I'm like, well, I'm a nerd too. And like, I find this stuff interesting. <laughs> and so we all kind of connect with a whole nerdiness and it's great. That's awesome. And, and it is. And it's so interesting to hear the three of you, you guys is take and I, I am like a combination of, 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 of that. Um, but at the same time, I am super crazy at the same time. Uh, my, my kids are always shocked that I went there with them and they didn't know I could uh, go down way, way, way down to their level. And that kind of became, became our connection. Now that, you know, you've got them to buy in or like your entire situation, you're starting to get them to buy in. Like what, what are some things you've done to, to keep them interested, keep them sustaining to want to be a part of your culture? I know for me, I am all about creating a healthy band family dynamic. I was all about let's do game night. Let's do this. I love playing basketball and football. I'm like, okay, after rehearsal, we're going to play basketball. Let's do it. Let's do it. And all, all just providing opportunities to, for them to bond and grow and be a part of our, our culture that we're building. What are some things you guys are, are, are doing or have done to keep them wanting to be a part of that program? We, uh, we do game days, too. With the middle school kids, it's a little bit tougher to keep them after school sometimes. You know, after like a concert where the band room is is just like a complete mess because at the end of the concert, everyone's just piling stuff into the room and everyone's trying to go home. So we'll come back the next day, we'll clean up the band room, and then we'll just hang out for, for that day. We'll play video games. I'll bring my Xbox, my Switch. Uh, my kids unlock all the characters on my Switch games, and I let them do all the work. Um, Very nice. Yeah, you know, and, and I feel like those are those are really great memories for the kids. They'll think about all the music stuff, but they'll come back and say, oh, you know, I really enjoyed when we, when we just hung out, when we played video games. And it'll get back to the principles. And then at the end of the year, you know, my, my principal will comment on like about game night, uh, game days, uh, in the band room. And, you know, I just kind of like try to hide within all the faculty, but that's been uh, a lot of fun. Uh, the kids really connect with that. We've started workshops for our assessments and I kind of tie in a uh, fun time after rehearsals for, uh, for that. And I make it on a weekend. So it, and, and all those kids come out, and so they're they're super committed. But uh, keeping it fun, doing fun stuff, and making it a social aspect too. And and everyone listening, that is so 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 important. That social aspect that you know, let's get, let's work hard, let's work hard, and okay, works works done. Now now let's just have fun. And 
even even I'm sure when you're starting to do this, you probably have to say, okay, guys, we're having this rehearsal on Saturday, but if you make it to the end, there's going to be pizza and games, and you kind of like trick them into being there, and then it becomes the opposite. So yeah, thanks for thanks for saying that. For one thing I did two years ago when I was working still on DCPS for went to PG County. So we were playing a Soulfetch game, and it was they had to repeat what I had. It was called the Forbidden Pattern. It was from a guy in Georgia named um, Dale Duncan. He did a uh, a Soulfed sight singing curriculum called uh, S Cubed, where he has like three different videos. So anyway, I told the students that if they beat me, they get a pizza party on me. Some some students, it took a little while to like changing the rules multiple times to get like I wanted them to win. I didn't, you know, but they still had to work for it. I just wasn't going to give them that. So it kind of brought out some of like my competitive nature a little bit, and like as a as an athlete, as I'm a golfer and basketball and baseball and all that, it was fun to see them win, even though it broke my bank account. I didn't mind doing it because I knew what the results were going to lead to, and thusly, you know, when it came down to like doing a school musical, I was involved with it. You know, I would bring goodies and treats and snacks and we would just sit and just play some music and just relax and i think that has to be a part of the building you gotta have fun yes you gotta have fun you gotta show that you have a fun personality but there is a balance and a percentage that it where it needs to be there it can't be all work and no play you gotta reap the benefits some way somehow so I think being able to mix it in, if y'all work hard for three straight weeks, like that one random Friday, I'll put on a movie for everybody and we just sit and chill, you know, things like that. I think we sometimes forget that there's always going to be time for music. And so we are so involved into, well, we have to get ready for the next concert, the next assessment. We have yes. to make it to, to the next number in the book and there, there's going to be time for that. And so the more you, you engage on, uh, on the social aspect, the, the kids are going to stay. They're going to want to be part of your program to be with their friends, to be with you. The music is part of that, but it's not necessarily the most important thing for every single student. And we have to be okay with that. Well, I'm, I guess I'm kind of experimenting with that, seeing how they really can't even, you know, like jump around with each other <laughs> unless you like, yeah, <laughs> just standing there square. Actually, um, well, actually, no, 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 that's that's something completely different. Um, I had to learn their names because um, they didn't know each other's names um, like at all, and which I think can happen a lot more easily than what we think. Like even just in a regular band setting, like you not even know like maybe somebody a couple chairs down from you name, like you don't even know their name, but you're in the same ensemble as them and you're trying to right. achieve the same thing as them. I guess that was one of the things. We, just, we did a name game, and uh, if you want to know it, I'll definitely teach it to you, but not on this session. Just ask me. <laughs> Another thing um, that I'm thinking about doing is actually throwing like a social distance pizza party, but that's after they prove themselves that they know, they know their scales. Um, so I, I, I'm, or I'm going to nickname it uh, Scale Jail, uh, and the premise is that they are 
under arrest because they are um, convicted of not knowing their scales or they're, uh, they're alleged of not knowing their scales. And they have to play all 12 scales to prove to me that they, that they um, deserve to be free, essentially. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, but you know, Tyler, that's, that's awesome. And that's exactly the things you need. And even though you're in this, you know, COVID world setting, mm-hmm. any kind of thing that you can get them to have fun or build relationships with each other and you, that's super, super, super important. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I, I guess there's, there's, this should be just a little bit of competition. Um, and I don't mean um, in any band program I was in, there was always just a little bit of competition with, you know, my section members and, you know, with uh, other people who were, you know, really good in the band. I think scales is kind of way is going to be the way that I can kind of bring that out of them. One, so they can you know learn their scales, but two, they can also just you know feel accomplished for um, you know striving such a feat. And in their case, and any way you can have fun while doing music and doing getting better, that's exactly what you need to do. Mm-hmm. I know one thing I used to also do going on trips and oddly enough fundraisers. That really built camaraderie within in my group, and that really encouraged them or helped them want to be a part of the uh, the program. And I, you know, I used to always say, you know, telling kids that oh, we're going to New York or we're going to Texas uh, was the ultimate re- recruiter. I guess that means it's time to go band. This section talks about something I'm listening to that I think you should check out or something exceptional happening in the band world. And today we're going to talk about Just Five by Dr. Chandler Wilson. Dr. Wilson is the assistant director of bands at the Florida State University. Dr. Wilson is an educator, conductor, composer, and he is a killer arranger. Shout out to his swag surfing arrangement. Get it from him if you don't have it. And on top of all that, he writes wonderful concert band charts, many of which are accessible by younger bands. Today I want to highlight a new piece of his, Just Vibe, subtitled A Taste of Culture. Written in five continuous movements, Dr. Wilson says Just Vibe represents a taste of the African-American culture with ideas such as the musical licks similar to groups like Earth, Wind & Fire and Heat Wave, grooves heard in 90s hip-hop, and even unique chordal structures from current artists like Anderson Pock. You and your students will love it. You can check out this piece and more from Dr. Wilson at ChandlerWilsonMusic.com. ChandlerWilsonMusic.com. If you have a go band you'd like me to shout out, tag at BandRoomTales on Twitter or email me at BandRoomTales at gmail.com. Another thing I want to talk to you, to you guys about is how do you guys suggest programs with one directors reach uh, all of their students? Because a lot of times, you know, you might have one director, 200 kids, one director, 50 kids. How do you give each kid that love to show that, you know, we care about you? I don't know. It's kind of tough. Um because, I don't know, what I've learned this year especially is that some people will only let you in a certain amount, just initially. And you could just have to kind of fight 
to to get yourself kind of in more of their little circle or their their bubble. So like I I know for like I have some kids at home, like I know their names, I know they they have a student ID number and they come to my my Microsoft Teams class every day, but I don't know what they look like. You know, if they're black, if they're white, or if they're tall or short, or you know, I don't I don't know that that their kind of background. I just don't know that kind of those kind of um, that kind of information. You know, and I have some kids that are you know all up in my face and they want to know my information. <laughs> you know, and, and, and Tyler, I want to stop you real quick. Okay, just just so you know, the longer you are there, and the more and more you keep trying to do what you're doing, the better connection and the better they'll feel comfortable. The more they feel comfortable with you. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're there for four years, and these, you know, incoming elementary. Well, we know this about you, Mister Atkins, and we know this and this and this. <laughs> and so, just keep being you, and all, all that kind of stuff is going to come. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Again, just, this is still something that I think I'm just just kind of experimenting with. Um, but I mean, just kind of like you said, just being myself uh, as much as I can to the fullest um, is is really helping me now. Well, actually, you know, I'm not going to say that. I haven't learned to fake my way because I've definitely learned to fake my way. Um, <laughs> um, especially as a first year, um, you know, director of bands, you know, being, you know, coming after somebody who was actually very, um, what's the word? I don't want to say popular. No, I would say he's popular. He was very popular and very just kind of charismatic. Well, let me give Tyler some flowers. By the way, being a first-year director of bands does not happen in the state of Texas. And so this is an awesome, awesome thing for Tyler, one, and being a black man doing this <laughs> in the good old state of Texas. This is just this is, this is special. And, you know, again, just even kind of like using that to like my advantage uh, a little bit, just kind of, you know, and being young, um, just you know, really kind of um, showing that, you know, I may be a teacher, but I'm still one of you. Um, and I'm still, you know, very connected to you um, as much as possible. And, you know, I always talk about my middle school experience with them. Um, and I tell, you know, I tell them, like, I used to practice three hours a day in middle school. What about you? How many hours do you practice? <laughs> I'm just kind of getting them to, you know, like, see that, you know, I'm still human and I, I, I still, you know, do music i just a little bit more you know professional than you and that's okay you can still achieve those same things that i did even when i was in middle school um, you still have that ability and I, I um that's something that i really try to instill in them i don't want to say well no i am i'm pretty much building this program kind of from the scratch a little bit um and <laughs> i guess it, it's just making it easier that i'm i'm being myself and i can really put myself into the program and i don't have anybody else saying no i think we should do this instead which I don't think is a bad thing, um, but, you know, this is kind of my out-of-the-gate kind of experience that I'm having, uh, which I think is really useful. Uh, so for me, and to also maybe inspire Tyler a little bit, focus on Please. your freshmen. Focus on your freshmen. Okay, my sixth graders. Or your sixth graders, I'm sorry. Focus <laughs> on your sixth graders because that's in two years where your coach is going to be. Your eighth graders, you might love them, but they're out the door next year. The seventh graders, if they don't buy in, they are maybe out even before they get to eighth grade. But your your sixth graders, that's that's where you put your core work in because they don't know any other director but you at that middle school. So if you give them that foundation and you just keep building on that, 
that's going to set you up for success because that that's what buy-in is. And, you know, they always say it takes, it's like a four or five year cycle for a new director at a school, especially like a high school or college, because those other students have already been acclimated to another system. Right. So you, you know, you, I, I would, I would focus on your, the youngest students that you have because they want to be molded. They're, they, 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 they have the energy. They're not drawn out because, man, I don't like him. Oh, no. <laughs> but and you are, you're there now. Do what you can. Build that relationship now. Instill the fun, the hard work ethic, all of that in those sixth graders. Two or three years, the program will be fine because they'll be, the, they'll be your leaders. And mm-hmm. they'll be able to tell the seventh and eighth graders how your program is supposed to be run. And um, I'm glad you mentioned that um, the sixth grader part and kind of focusing on them or, you know, really trying to build them up because I'm the third director in three years. So my eighth graders had a director and uh, my seventh graders had a different director. And now I'm just kind of teaching a conglomerate of different abilities and different work ethics and different standards, you know, different things. And (laughs) that's actually something that I've really been struggling with. So I I really appreciate that. Well, I'll say this, Tyler. I was the fifth band director my year I got there. So when I started, I was number five. Those kids were running the program and we had to have a a swift culture change. Yeah, you know going back, just touching on what you guys are just mentioning right now, when you stay there, they're going to start to trust you. You know, I think they have, they have trust issues. And for any new director that's going into a program that's had a lot of turnover, they're human. They're going to think that you will leave them at the end of the year. And so they're, they don't want to spend the energy making relationships with you if you're just going to leave. So the more you stick around and the more that trust starts to build and then the more you show them who you are, the more that trust will start to build. You know, for me, reaching each kid is, is always hard to do. I think that's no matter how many kids you teach, it's always, it's difficult to know what that kid is, is going through. If they're, you know, if they're caught up, if they know what they're, they have to do. One thing that I, that I did when I was at Westridge that I would play around with sometimes, uh, I would take all of my kids that were kind of behind, that I knew they were struggling. And so I would make different rows. I would have a, uh, a gator row, and the, the, the gator row was the first row. Those were the kids that really needed a lot of help. And then uh, the kids, in, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, and then the, the second row would be the, um, the, the hurricanes row. And those are the kids that were doing okay, but still needed some attention. And then the last row were the best kids in the band. Uh, and of course they were the seminal row. Uh, so yeah, go knows. So I, I would play around with that, with that setup and especially with beginning band, because it doesn't matter where they sit, you know, they don't really need to be set up by sections they need to be set up how you're going to reach them with my students now i just call call them out you know i i will put them on the spot and they know that they know that i'm going to 
expect high things from them. And I'm, I, I really need them to understand that. I don't need them to be perfect. I need them to work hard and I need them to try. Uh, so I will, I will call them out. And if, if I know they're struggling, I, I might take a different tone with them. I might approach it a, uh, differently. I mean, might be a little bit nicer, might be a little bit stern, depend, depending on the student. And then this is a little bit separate, but, you know, I, I don't worry so much about the numbers in my program that I have to reach. I, I'm just going to teach who's in front of me. And who, if, if there might be 10 kids. Those 10 kids are going to get all of my attention. If there's 60 kids in that classroom, I'm going to make sure that I get to each of those kids um, within the week, you know, and uh, just a constant checking up on them uh, to make sure they're, they're where they need to be. So speaking of getting kids uh, where they need to be, sometimes they're kids that just don't care about what you, what you want or who you are and the relationships you're building with them. Some kind, I call these kids the bad apples. What are some things like, you know, sometimes, well, these kids can be discipline problems. They can be headaches. They can be cancers to your, to your band programs. What are some things you've done to turn the tide on the bad, bad apple? Because I, I'm a big believer that we should do everything in our power to keep, our, keep these kids in the program. Uh, kicking, kicking kids out is not the first option. It should be your hundredth option. Uh, what are some things you've done? Peer pressure. You know, you might not get to them directly, but using their friends against them. If they see that their friends are really enjoying what they're doing, they're going to maybe fall in line. They're going to see, oh, well, maybe this isn't that bad. If my friends are enjoying it, I'm probably going to enjoy it too. Yes. The, the whole see, taking the entire group and making the, the entire group responsible for something. And if it might be one student that's causing an issue, well, that, that one issue is going to affect the entire group. And so the entire group is going to, is going to suffer. And if it, um, at Westridge, it was, we would walk the halls until we knew how to walk into the band room quietly. And so it was a great learning experience because it's important to learn how to walk onto a stage quietly, how to walk in a straight line, you know, simple things that are, that, that are key to, to being a successful program. Um, you can do with the entire group and not have to single someone out. Yes. Corrective education. Yes. I agree with that. And I will also say Sometimes if a student is not on a list on purpose, it might help depending on the student. You have to know the student. So that also goes back to what we were talking about. You need to really understand personalities really, really, really well. It has nothing to do with anything you do on the podium. We don't care about that. If we don't know the students, you can't get them to do anything on the podium. So, you know, it's... They have to understand that you're serious about what's going on. Unfortunately, are you probably going to lose some students? Yeah, maybe. We don't want it to ever happen. We'll do whatever we have to taste to try not to do it. But it's also an acceptance of a reality that it could very well just may not be that fit, especially if you try to hold somebody accountable. If you try to hold them accountable for just basic responsibility, 
and they don't have that in different areas of their life or, mm. or before they met you, you're going to be button heads the whole time. And it has, probably has nothing to do with you. But if you understand that and your expectation is not as high, but it's a little lower, then you'll be more willing as a director to accept it, saying, it's, I know it's not my fault, but it's also, you know, if I lose that one student, I don't want to lose anybody else. So make sure that my standards of my program will reflect that students are retained at a high rate. Part of um, the questions that I have to ask myself uh, as a first-year teacher is, are these kids bad apples because they haven't been taught right? Or are they just fighting me because I'm the new director and I have these expectations? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> All of <those> brother. Because <laughs> um, uh, I've done a lot of, you know, great band things. I'm from North Texas. I understand North Texas is like the giant when it comes to the band world. I mean, now that I, now I know that. Going into it, I really didn't. Um, but now I know that. Knowing that there's just a lot of things that you learn uh, to do in university and that you, you know, that you want to apply in your middle school that sometimes it just doesn't work, right? It just because you just don't know how it's going to work on a, on a student, how it's going to work on, you know, just how they, how they move in class, how they interact with you as a teacher. You just don't know if, it's gonna, if that's going to work or not. So that's just something um, that I think I'm trying to figure out. Well, you know, there are obviously some quote-unquote bad apples who are just there to kind of wreak havoc, and you just have to mitigate that however you can. Um, but again, the other part of that is that, okay, well, are they wreaking havoc? Because I'm expecting them to sit in their chair, and I keep harping on them to sit in their chair correctly, or they just don't know how to do it, and I'm a bad teacher, or whatever that may be. So I don't know if that answers that question from a first-year teacher perspective, but that's just, again, that's just something that I'm working on. Well, you, you're going to learn, and it's a combination of all, all these, and it also depends on, on the situation you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I was in high school, my band director, he kicked people out all the time, but it was like fake kicking them out. And we had, we had some bad, we had some, some, some apples in our program and they knew how to do right. They just never wanted to do right. And so it was like, this is your wake up call, get out. And then they come crawling back and he'd always let them back in. And we were like, well, why are you doing that? And he, he, had, he always had a purpose because our band was more about creating better human beings and better, better people. And, if he believed that you would you were going to change for the better, you know he he took an, an interest in you, and I think that's kind of what we we have to do. It's like we have to find out what's the what's the deeper problem, because it's it's not like okay, all right, great, you're talking still. Oh, okay, great, you just want attention. Great, all right, we got we gave we gave you your attention today. Now what's up? And so when you when you get to them and you're like, no, we're not going to do that. Let's let's go. You know, you pull them to the side. Well, what's really going on? Well, I don't like this. I don't like this. Okay, well, well where do we need? Well, what can we do to make it better? And then you just go on. You go on. Now, some kids, it is what it is. But you you do what you can to to try to reach those kids. Uh, no, no matter what. Well, it's story time. In this segment, we'll talk about some of the most interesting and crazy stories that have happened to me in my career. From fitting too many people in my car to having my band students perform a football game after a football game, you don't want to miss this segment. Okay, cool. So uh, this was my first year having a band 
two, three years ago. On the unfortunate part of the story is that I only saw my kids once a week, but there was a young man who signed up to play the flute. He never brought his flute to class, ever. Never brought it at all. Where's your flute? It's at home. Okay. It comes down to festival time. We're performing at the Kennedy Center. Uh, I previously had a talk with my administrators about his participation because I mean, he hadn't showed up. Can't play anything. Take him anyway. Okay. All right. Not a problem. He shows up with his flute, gets on the stage, and holds the flute completely wrong on the front row. <laughs> Plays nothing at all. And I was looking the entire time at him while I'm just trying to just beat time for this grade half piece that Will Owens wrote. And so we get through it. The judges, one of the comments, I, I read it to the band, says, be sure to make sure everybody is properly um, holding the instruments correctly. So I read it to the I read it in the next weekend class and it was an all-out war on this young man because everybody knew exactly who they were talking about. I guess they wanted to hold him accountable, but it was like, yeah, you should have done this. I don't even know why this didn't let you perform. Flabbergasted. I had did not say anything at all. <laughs> I read the information. I stopped the information. Uh, I stopped the conversation and I said, okay, that's not what we're going to do. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. <laughs> but I knew I couldn't do that because then parent emails would be flooded to me and my administrators. And that's not the culture that I want in my group. So, yeah, make sure you teach your folks how to hold instruments properly. So, it's actually the Friday before this freeze happens. Uh, so about a, a, a week ago, about a week and a half ago. And that's the same day, February 12th, where um, the Cinderella version with Whitney Houston and Brandy was going to be on, uh, uploaded to Disney Plus because it hadn't been for whatever reason, but I guess this was the kind of their contribution to Black history uh, is them adding Whitney Houston and Brandy, uh, their versions of Cinderella. Um, so, Again, what I, what I do at the beginning of class is I show music um, just so we can just kind of listen to music. Um, so I show um, the scene where um, Cinderella is going to the ball. Uh, she's getting prepared for the ball and she first meets her fairy godmother. Um, and so I played the song and I was like, okay, well, uh, this is Whitney Houston. She is very iconic. She sang the uh, Star Spangled Banner, has a very iconic version of that is a very um, successful singer. Like, raise your hand if you know who she is. Nobody raised, raised their hand. And I was like, uh, okay. And then I talked about Brandy, and I'm like, okay, Brandy. Like, she's um, uh, a very famous actor, a very famous singer. She's in uh, a lot of, you know, 90s uh, sitcoms. Um, how many of you know who Brandy is? Nobody raised their hand. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, this is really interesting. Like, you really don't know who these people are. Um, and then I was like, okay, Brandy is Ray J's sister. How many of you know who Ray J is? Nobody raised their hand. I'm like, okay, this is kind of ridiculous. Like, you really don't know who these people are? Like, or am I really that this 
disconnected from you guys. <laughs> like, don't know who Ray J is. Like, it's crazy to me. So then, one of my students raises her hand. She's like, oh, Mr. Atkins, um, you mean, like, from that one City Girls song? And I'm like, City Girls? <laughs> um, and the lyric she was talking about was, um, City Girls make a wish like Ray J, because Ray J has a song called One Wish, and that's how they made that connection. And I teach at a school with uh, what I like to call gifted and ghetto, um, because they are, you know, little black children, and they're really gifted, but they also have, you know, that I side. love that. I love that. <laughs> gifted and ghetto, yeah, and so that's exactly... And so once she said that one line, half of my class starts rapping the whole song, and the other half is just looking at me crazy. And I'm, I'm just sitting back in my chair, I'm laughing, I'm like, wow, this is like, you can just kind of see the, the cultural disconnect. But it was just really funny to that we, they, they really like wrapped the entire song word for word from that one line. And I thought it was really interesting how they made that connection from Cinderella um, to Ray J, to City Girls. <laughs> so that was really funny for me. Basically what they're telling is you are, you're old. That too. <laughs> oh, so many stories. I would have to say, early on in my my teaching career, it's probably the funniest thing that has ever happened to me. Um, after MPA, uh, we're on the bus going back to the school. We stop at McDonald's, and I get off the bus, purchasing McDonald's for the kids. Everything's great. Uh, as I'm walking out of McDonald's, holding probably good three or four bags of cheeseburgers. And back, there is a uh, unsavory character, Lady of the Night, just banging at the door of the bus. Kids just yelling at this lady and just saying, ooh, you nasty. Why are you doing this? Uh-uh, don't be doing that in the middle of the day. And I'm just like, I can just see the news headlines as as this whole thing is happening and i had to storm towards the bus and just beg this lady to just walk away and ignore the middle school students that were calling her out um it was it, it was hilarious i to this day the kids still talk about it when when they reach out to me and knowing where you taught i know exactly the unsavory women you talk for those of you who don't know, um, we we basically taught off of, of Orange Blossom Trail, which is a a well-known prostitute row. We've been at uh, restaurants and we've seen uh, girls just picking up people right outside the restaurant and going to their cars and servicing them. And <laughs> while we're just sitting out at the restaurant, oh, those were the, those were the times. In the middle of a day? Well, you oh, said, yeah. hey, people got to work. They got to make, make their living. Those got to be paid. <laughs> if you have your own crazy story you'd like to share, tag us on Facebook or Twitter at Band Room Tales, or you can email us at bandroomtales at gmail.com. And I think from here, let's switch our gears to our, our mentorship 
uh, talking, we'll just talk a little bit about this while, while we have the three of you here, because I, I believe mentorship is, is important. And I believe young directors do a bad job of reaching out um, because one, they don't know what they're going on. They're overwhelmed with everything. While at the same time, old directors do a, do a bad job of reaching back and saying, well, I've done this. I've been here. Well, you're a new person. I'm going to latch on to you and help you. And so I think we need more um, of that in, in our field because it, it, it's a lot. Like, you know, we, we always say running a band program is like being a CEO of a, of, a, of, a, of a company, and it's truly a lot. So for the older guys, how, how would you encourage Tyler to actually approach an older director asking for help? Well, first of all, all three of us can help you here. I don't see why not. You can't reach out. So that's number one. Number two is you might have to take a day off and go visit schools around your area for about an hour or two and just see what's going on. Take the time off now. Go visit a band room or take, let's say, take a half day. Go visit a, go visit a band room like once a month. Just sit in there and just take notes. Just sit in the back and just hang out. Don't ask any questions. Just, just watch and observe then if that director says, hey, do you have any questions on what you saw? That's when that's when things start to become. Now, you know, a lot of people, if they're willing to help you, they'll let you sit in the bare room. There are a lot of people that won't, which I find really um, troublesome. We're supposed to be in a field that allows growth for everybody. You're going to hear no's, but don't get discouraged by somebody saying no to you for not doing that. Call people. Call, call, create a network of people that are in your graduating class of music ed students. That's another network. You know, you got UNT. It's a pretty good network. Yeah, it is. They can, you can call or just call your music. Like that would be my first thing. Call him or her and say, Hey, can you give me 10 mentors to call or 10 people to call? And so I can go visit their band room or I can just talk to them about what I'm struggling with or whatever case may be. If they're really there for that purpose to help, you'll get that list in a matter of seconds. I promise you. I, I agree. Get in people's band rooms, um, especially if these older directors are not reaching out to help you force your way in. Go find the directors that you look up to. Go sit in their beginning band class. Like I feel like that's where the true teaching is happening. You know, how do you get a kid to from sounding like an elephant to make, you know, sounding like a trombone? Yeah, reaching out to people, calling people. Um, if you, if there's um, a rehearsal happening for like an all-county or whatever, you know, try to, try to sit in and uh, have, take them out to lunch, buy, buy them a, a, a drink. Um, we, we all love free food. And then reach out to the, to the young directors, too. And I, I think the more of a group you are, I think older directors will kind of see that and then they'll gravitate to want to help you. I, I know for me, it was just when, when I was younger, it was just, yeah, I was lucky enough to have Jack uh, mentor me. Um, and he just took me under his wing. But then, find, again, finding someone who is there for the right reasons and who, who cares about you and your success. 
volunteer for solo ensemble judging, volunteer for helping with the festivals, attend concerts, even if just as a spectator, again, sit in the back, listen, and then send an email. I came to your concert. I really enjoyed it. I would love to come visit and talk to you about how, you know, you and your program, blah, blah, blah. And another thing is one, older directors want to help. Um, and so you'll, you'll find out when you reach out to people, you'll get a, mostly yeses. Sometimes they may not answer because they're super busy, but they, they will. Um, I, w- I was always blessed with, uh, in Orlando, there was a network of just master teachers that would come in and pounce on you. And they're like, okay, well, you're new to this area. This is what we're going to do. And so I had this little pocket notebook that I kept in my pocket everywhere I went. And anytime I had a question, I would write it down. Or anytime I'm in band and I couldn't think of uh, how, how to fix something, I'd write it down. And then we go to the bar, have some wings and some libations. And then I just like, you know, word vomit, question vomit. And we just ask, and how do you do this? And then, you know, what Chris says, you know, taking a professional day or a professional half day and getting out into these other other people's band rooms, that's so beneficial. And now when you're doing that, making sure you're finding the master teachers in your area or the best possible uh, teachers in, in, in your area because they're master teacher for a reason. And when you see like, oh, oh, that's what you do to, to make the clarinet do that? Oh, okay. And then you just steal the stuff that they have to offer. And, you know, it, it just takes you just saying, boom, I'm just going to do it. And I, I will tell you this. I was that type of guy, you, you know, we had UCF in our backyard. I would email every professor from UCF and say, hey, can you come and do a master class at my school? Hey, can you come work my band on this date? And I would do it at the beginning of the school year for the spring so they already have it on their schedule because they're, all, they're always so busy. So you're just finding ways to get people in your room to help help make your programs better. If you guys could give one piece of advice to a younger director, what would it be? And I'm going to start with Tyler on this. You're a new teacher with a lot of people coming out. What's a piece of advice you give them? Um, so I guess I would say two things. Um, the first thing is to make yourself the most well-rounded musician that you can, whether that's learning, uh, a different style of music, learning uh, a different instrument, literally just picking it up, putting it to your face, well, putting it together first, then putting it to your face, um, and learning how to play it, um, that could just be really beneficial for just like your teaching. So learning a different style, learning a different instrument. Um, and then the second thing, learn how to sell yourself and learn how to market yourself so that you you know, are able to do great things at the very beginning. The only reason that I feel like that I have this job as a director of bands my first year out is because I was able to sell myself um, that I could really do this, uh, even in a pandemic, right? That I could really kind of do the job as a, as a band director. Um, and that came with a lot of practice and uh, just a lot of experience, just kind of, again, just kind of just selling myself and just uh, making myself be 
better than what I even thought. Because <laughs> um, as much as I was able to sell that um, to the interview panel, uh, which had about, I think, 13 people, I was, yeah, it was 13 people. And it was like all, all admin and um, a couple uh, counselors and uh, some other people. As much as I was able to do that and, and do it really well, that, that came from practice. So really practicing how to sell yourself, I think it's really important. Ooh, realize you don't know everything. Exactly. I, I'm very yeah. much a person that's like, this is me and my personality. I like to know things. And sometimes just because you know something or know someone, you still don't know anything at all. I think there has to be a level of humility to just, I, I don't really want to say sit down and shut up, but I guess I just did. But that's really it. Sit down. Don't talk. And just soak it all in. Even if that means that you need to take your phone and use your voice memos and just press record and just listen to somebody teach their band class. Just say, hey, thank you so much. Thank you goes a long way, too. Saying thank you to somebody. People appreciate when you do things like that. You, uh, you stole my words. You know, like, <laughs> just listen, 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 listen. I feel like a lot of us come out of college thinking like, oh, yeah, we are ready to go. And then, uh, and then we realize, oh, wait a minute. It's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. And it is a struggle. And just be willing to just listen to what these people have to say. That's probably going to be the most where you're going to learn. I mean, it's how we learn how to get better at our instruments, right? We just listen and we just sit there and we, we soak it all in and then we try to apply it. Man, that's, that's, that's just awesome. I, I hate to see this is coming to an end. This has been such great dialogue and the time, time goes by. Uh, super fast. The The last question I'll ask you is, what's one thing you wish the textbooks taught you that you're missing from your careers? Um, well, I never actually bought these textbooks um, for my class. <laughs> <laughs> um, but <laughs> theoretically, if I did, I would want to know, I guess, what what are some of the better ways to just kind of reach everybody in your program, whether it's, you know, students, um, parents, administrators, because they're part of your program as well, yes, you know, the community. <laughs> what are, you know, some of the best practices to, to kind of reach out, you know, so everybody's kind of involved in your vision and it's not you having just kind of a, a, a tunnel vision of, of what your, your program should be. You know, how do you include uh, everybody in it so that it can all be great and it can have long-lasting effects, you know, on, on the future? Textbooks versus practical application is two totally different things. I do think there are books being written now that are more workshoppy and allow you, and they really get into the nuts and bolts of this is how I teach. This is exactly what I do step by step. We didn't really have that when we were in school. We had a lot of theory. We read a lot of articles, basic principles, but you get out there and try to use it and you're like, 
I don't know what to do. I think for college curriculums, we need to be a lot more skill-based and know that I've met a lot of directors, I'm included, that sometimes get jobs because we know how to sell ourselves, like Tyler was talking about. We can talk a good game, but when it comes to getting into that room and teaching that clarinet or that flute or that saxophone or that trumpet or trombone, it's a totally different ball game. Yep. So figuring out a way for us to be as prepared as possible. I know you're not going to be totally prepared because you it's kind of like like on the job training a lot of times as a band director. Um, especially depending on what administrator you might have or may not have, no guidance counsel. It could be a number of things that you have. I would just say practical application, getting on the podium more than one time in a conducting class, learning how to arrange earlier because you might need to write a flex part for somebody in your program that you have no idea what to do. It's just small, some small ideas. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, we spend a lot of time on the theory part of music when we're when we're in college. How to look pretty on the podium, how to con, you know, how to hold a baton, how to do this. And you have to get through so many things first uh before you 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 pick up your your baton and try to conduct a group. Uh I think learning your your skills on the instrument. We have our method classes, but I think the more focus uh we have on that throughout our, our time at in college, more opportunities to get out to the schools and, and to really dig into to some kind of teaching. At the end of my internship, I, I knew I was like, I am not ready to start a, a teaching career. But I, I think that's also a good good mindset to, to have because that's how you know you, you've got to put in the work. But skills and opportunity to, to practice those skills. You, you guys are saying some really, really, really great things. Um, and I just want to add one thing. You know, I also think uh, we, we need uh, more opportunities to go to, to diverse types of schools. I know a lot of times in undergrads, we're, we're paired in the best of the best schools. Uh, but the first jobs that we end up getting or the not best of the best schools, and then we end up failing or quitting the career because we don't have the tools um, to, to do that. So that would be my little thought on that. Anything you guys want to plug? I just want to again say thank you to Tales to the Band Room podcast for having me here. Thank you, Doc, for having us, and this was fun. Uh, I'll plug my Twitter. Uh, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is OG Atkins. Uh, so it's my last name, OG Atkins, but uh, with, instead of an S, A T K I N S, it'll be A T K I N Z. It's kind of my alter ego. If you want to, you know, um, follow hot takes on the government, Black Lives Matter, uh, band directing, anything of that nature, you are more than welcome to follow. First, want to thank. Uh... Dr. Jack Eady for inviting me tonight. Um, plug in OYCE underscore official. Check them out on Instagram. It's an Orlando Youth Ensemble group. What ensembles? Talk a little bit about that. Uh, OYCE is a, a chamber group ensemble. Uh, they have clarinet choirs, jazz bands, flute choir, which I direct 
a salsa band, all sorts of different um, chamber groups, um, great organization. And uh, it's been great, guys. Um, I, I appreciate you taking taking the time to do this. Are there any final words, any parting words before we go? I want to say um, that, uh, to, especially to all the young directors out there, to not get discouraged, to just keep pushing on, especially now. I mean, we are all struggling. Uh, the, the best directors are struggling. Just know that we are all doing, going through the same thing, but there is a light at the end of this whole thing, and we will be back to normal. Keep pushing. Keep learning. This whole thing is teaching us brand new things that we are going to have to um, really hone in on. So keep learning. Just be diverse in what you're doing, and it will get better. Take risk will be number one. It's okay to mess up as long as you learn from that mistake that you did. You have so many infinite more resources, even when I was in college just 10 years ago. So many infinite more resources, so many like YouTube, Udemy, Skillshare, all these websites are available for you. It might cost, but listen, if that means that you need to not get a super size for something and you need to make sure you have that $10 in your account so they take out that monthly membership for something that's going to give you the latest information, do it now so that you can reap the benefits later. Start off, work hard now, and so then you could just almost kind of like put your program in a cruise control mood. Yeah, take risk and use your resources. I was kind of just kind of really harp on uh, just being yourself as much as possible, whether that's, you know, you're, you're an introvert like me and you have to kind of be yourself, you know, when you're with your friends and just kind of having that on, you know, all the time, as much as it's tiring, just kind of using that to your advantage and just kind of being yourself so that everybody can see your best potential because um, that I think that'll really serve me but just anybody really in the long run it'll serve them some you know it'll give them some good experiences that they um, you know that they'll have um, just by being themselves so I think that's really important well guys that is all for me um, I, I, I thank y'all so much for for being here and doing this Um you guys are awesome, and um, I just appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for asking me, Jack. To be honest, I almost said no because I was kind of nervous. I was like, no, I don't even know. I don't even have anything to add. Why would you ask me? Um, but I'm glad that, I, that, you, that you did. So and I can't let you down. I really can't. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. This is great. Just hearing you guys just, just speak is, uh, is awesome really great to see all of the all wonderful things you guys are doing. Ditto. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Now it's, now it's time to go shed more. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, thank you guys again for coming out today. Just great to have this wide uh, variety of experiences and things that you uh, brought to the table. And I want, hopefully everyone remembers that, you know, reaching out is super important to everything that you do. And it creates that buy-in that helps your students to want to be successful and want to be a part of your program and build that culture that you have set for those students. So don't forget to reach one, teach one. Thanks for listening to Reach One, Teach One, and thank you so much to our insightful guest, Tyler Atkins, Christopher Steele, and Jose Fernandez. You guys were wonderful. Our next episode is titled A Look From Within. Every so often we'll have one of these episodes and we'll talk about things I did specifically in the classroom during my career. Next time we'll talk fundamentals and techniques. I look forward to sharing concepts that has worked for me. If there's anything in particular you want me to share, please reach out at bandroomtales at gmail.com. I would love to interact with you guys on social media, so find me on social media at bandroomtales and say hello and tell me what you liked about the episode. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tales from the Band Room. Check us out on all social media at bandroomtales, or you can email your comments or questions to bandroomtales at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe to our daddy's podcast and leave a review. You can find out more about this podcast at talesfromthebandroom.com. Music by my Phi Beta Sigma line brother, Jason, Classic Beats Menace. Go Mob! These episodes are edited by Michael Tapone and Alex Siegelman. Thanks for listening. Make it a great day or not. The choice is yours. Bye.